Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, Tony Leidig. And the idea that came to me for this week is the art that speaks to us. And it kind of spins off of last week's discussion on treasure. And I thought it would be fun to kind of talk about it. Kristen and I have been going to a lot of auctions lately. And uh, every auction that we attend has lots of art for sale in some form or another. Maybe it's uh, paintings or pencil, you know, draw, uh, pencil drawings, pen and ink, whatever. Uh, sculptures, certainly, of course. And just yesterday, uh, we were at an auction all day long, and I, I was looking at some of the art that was available, and they had a lot of Japanese art which was super cool. Some of it painted on silk and some of it created with little bits of glass and uh, even hand-painted fans and stuff like that. We got a couple pieces. Um, I've always been drawn to Japanese art, but it got me thinking, you know, and looking at some of the other uh, art that was there, uh, some of the paintings and stuff. That, I mean, they had originals and all of that. And you know, I looked at it and I guess the quality of the painting was fine. You know, some of it was oils and, you know, those types of things. And it was kind of, you know, I'd look at it and it'd be like, I guess that's nice, but it just didn't do anything for me. You know what I mean? And uh, same with some of the other types of art that they had there. It wasn't an art auction. It was like a, like an estate auction. So you know, pretty broad uh, swath of everything you can imagine from home goods to uh, tools of all kinds, you know, which up tools and stuff, which I bought a few things like that. Um, and then part of the sale included like brand new stuff from a hardware store that had gone out of business. But then there were also a couple of states where they had um, folks furniture and collectibles and uh, their art. And we see it all the time. You know, we uh, not only at auctions, but of course, uh, Kristen and I really enjoy going to art festivals, especially higher end ones. Um, there's a couple of artists that we follow. Uh, so as I've shared before, we buy a fair amount of art. Uh, the big problem is running out of like wall space <laughs> for it. And I never really thought about it before, uh, how, you know, there's a couple dozen of us here today live, and I'm sure if I took a poll uh, of each one of you sharing the kind of art that inspires you or speaks to you, there may be some crossover, uh, but I'm sure it would also be pretty diverse. Uh, the types of art that you may enjoy or the subjects of the art that you may enjoy, I may not at all and vice versa. Uh, I'm into a lot of eclectic stuff uh, and very, some of it's very weird. Some of it is what you would expect from me. So robots and UFOs and strange things like that, but also bears. I love uh, different kinds of bears, Alice in Wonderland, of course. I have a number of pieces of my office that are Alice in Wonderland themed. And those, just those kinds of things. So it's pretty eclectic. But it got me thinking yesterday afternoon while we were sitting at the auction, because we tend to work while we're not, when we're not bidding, because, you know, whenever you have a couple thousand lots, you're not going to want it all, <laughs> you know? Uh, hopefully not, unless you have really, really deep pockets. Uh, so there's hours uh, in some cases, because I think yesterday's we were there for nine hours. And um, so there's hours where it's just downtime. So I'll work on my phone. Yesterday I had my laptop with me, so I worked there. So did Kristen. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. But it got me thinking, why exactly do... I like what I like, you know, why, why are each of us drawn to certain types of art, but not others? You know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever gone to museums. I enjoy doing that as well. We both do. 
uh, you go to the art museums, you know, and you see the the masters, you know, whether it's the Dutch masters or you get into some of the other um, famous artists and styles. And there's some of them where I look at them and I get it. You know, it's like immediately their their work speaks to me, you know, just for lack of a better way of saying it. And you look at other art and you just kind of sit there scratching your head like this is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's like a freaking red dot on a white canvas. It's like, fuck, I could do that all day long. <laughs> Pardon my French. But, you know, it's like. Who decided that a red dot on a white canvas was art? You know, and I remember years ago, uh, one of my uh, commercial clients for um, whenever I was doing commercial photography was this museum in uh, Smithville, New Jersey called Noise Museum, uh, N-O-Y-E-S. Beautiful place. Uh, I just like they had really great displays and they did a lot of different kinds of things. Um, one of their specialty areas was uh, duck decoys because uh, there's a lot of carvers in South Jersey. And uh, so I got to photograph a lot of those uh, collections. I'd do it in the middle of the night, you know, have armed guards around me and all of that because of the value of some of these uh, carvings, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But they also had a lot of, um, uh, I'm trying to think of how you would define it, probably a lot of more uh, modern mixed media uh, type of art styles. And a lot of it I just loved. I mean, it was really eclectic, uh, just a, a mix mash of different uh, styles all kind of thrown together. I guess one could argue that it kind of looked like, um, you know, somebody threw up on a canvas or something. But there was a, a method to it, you know, method behind their madness, I guess. And some of it made perfect sense to me and immediately I resonated with it. And then other times, you know, I'd look at some of the work. And I just didn't get it at all. And uh, again, you know, just I was thinking about all of that yesterday, um, you know, stuff that I've seen over the years, the artists that I actually do follow and purchase from. And I began to wonder why, like, what is it in me? What is it in you that helps determine what we like? I mean, you could say, well, it's just a matter of taste. Okay, what does that mean exactly? Like, where does that taste come from? And to me, getting to the bottom of that question is just another step in exploring and understanding who we are as individuals. Because, man, we live so much of our lives seemingly on autopilot that we just go through our routines every day because we're used to them, we like them, whatever. And we never question anything. We just kind of take it at face value. And I've always questioned, uh, as you well know, but I've really tried to step it up a lot and just kind of put a target on uh, every part of my life. Uh, and, you know, so a lot of that is coming out in these discussions that we're having on Nerd Unscripted because I think it's good for us to pay attention why we like things and why we don't, you know. Uh, I mean, the same could be said of food or anything else. You know, why do some people like broccoli and others can't stand it? <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, believe it or not, I found out that there's actually a genetic disposition towards certain smells like um, uh, asparagus and stuff. You know, some people just naturally can't stand the smell of asparagus. It turns them off and it's a genetic hardwired thing. Um, I didn't think I got that one. I like asparagus. <laughs> I didn't get that, that particular gene, but one of the things that I've discovered when it comes to art specifically is that like collectibles, I believe some of it comes out of what we're exposed to as kids. My parents were, were both, I would, they wouldn't, weren't artists per se. Okay, like they didn't earn money from their art, but they were artistic. My mother especially. Um, when she was young, she did a lot of uh, pencil drawings, not much painting, but a lot of pencil and pen and ink. 
and then moved hardcore into crafts, especially sewing, which is what she basically made her career out of. Dad could draw, but his thing was more um, like he was a sound engineer, among other things. So that was kind of his thing. He just had a natural ear for what worked together and what didn't. Uh, so I didn't really grow up much with artistic influences from that perspective. As far as a uh, a fine art or anything like that, um, I didn't, you know, I just didn't. Photography, another story, you know, because I've taken pictures since I was 14. And I always viewed art as a, uh, I guess, as a luxury kind of thing that I just couldn't afford. You know, I could appreciate it, I guess, but I couldn't afford to have like originals or high-end prints or chaclays or anything like that. It just never even occurred to me much. And then, um, I mean, I appreciated it at times, but, you know, give me the choice between going into an art museum or a natural history museum, and I'm going to take natural history every single time. I mean, that's just how I've been because you know, the art of the earth, so to speak, you know, nature. So, and that's still today, you know, rocks and minerals and trees and all that kind of stuff is just cool. <coughs> but yet, um, I guess some of it really for me started when um, a friend of mine or a person who became a friend of mine uh, came and lived with us for a time back in the mid 90s. And it was this guy uh, from originally from Nigeria. Uh, his name uh, was uh, Bucci Upjohn is how I knew him. But I think his artistic name is Upjohn Agaji. And he was just starting his art career. He had a very natural talent, very um, tribal in his designs based on his culture. And... He introduced me to a lot of art that I had just never considered before. And then, um, like, whenever I first met him and he was living here, he was, like, homeless. <laughs> he had no place to live, which is why he lived um, with us for a time. And, you know, he would just scroll out these little drawings on paper. And one of the ways he made money to, like, eat and stuff is that he would do like an original drawing on an eight and a half, 11 sheet of paper folded down to like four by five or four and a quarter by five and a half. And then run them off on a copy machine, take the copies, fold them down and then get a, like a gold uh, Sharpie pen or something like that and put little embellishments on it. And then he would sell these uh, card sets with envelopes and that's how he made money. And then he was at the same time doing paintings and some of those types of things that, again, were very tribal and uh, cool looking. And so that was in the mid 90s. Fast forward to today. Um, I haven't talked to him for about a year, but um, now, you know, his originals are anywhere from 10 to 25,000 you know, hanging in homes of millionaires and sports figures like Michael Jordan and folks like that. And he's just really developed his style and come on the scene. But by going to uh, feature shows for him and stuff like that, I began to notice a lot of other types of art. And then uh, going to high-end art festivals and stuff, it just, to me, helped me discover a much broader wor world from an art perspective. But the more I think about it, the more I realize to me, it's, I like how art makes me feel whenever I'm looking at it, uh, because it's like a window into the artist's soul. You know, they came, it's says something about that person, uh, each expression. And that could, the same could be true for furniture or anything that's creative that way, sculpture, whatever. Um, but there's just some of it that it's like getting a snapshot, owning a snapshot of that person. That's kind of how I feel because they put their own blood, sweat, and tears into it. It was their own eye. They made choices and decisions. And many of you are artists, so you understand what I'm saying. You know, you make choices and decisions whenever you're creating art. You know, I know I do whenever I'm working on different things. And, um, that makes it really, 
uh, unique and special. And so from that perspective, there's just a certain vibe, vibration about works of art that connect with me or you more than others. And so I don't know if it's an emotional thing uh, specifically as much as it just is uh, an acknowledgement of what makes that particular piece unique. And uh, I think I could see where cultural input plays a role, uh, for certainly. But even with that, you know, I've given a lot of thought to um, cultural influence. I mean, you know, back when, however far ago, uh, my family, uh, part of my family was Cherokee, but also Irish, also English, um, those, you know, different influences. And so there's certain types of Cherokee art that I'm really drawn to. Actually, there's a lot of Cherokee art that I'm drawn to naturally. And, uh, but here, here's an odd one. I really love like, uh, the dreaming style art that you find with the aboriginals in Australia. I just love it. Uh, all types of it. I'm naturally drawn to it. Don't know why. Uh, naturally drawn to Egyptian art. Just absolutely love it. But like Persian, probably not so much. But, you know, Egyptian art, I'd have my whole damn house done in it if I could get away with it. <laughs> I just I just really love it. But um, I also, there's other styles that I just really like and others I look at and I'm like, I don't get it, <laughs> you know. So is it just personal preference or... Are we somehow hardwired? Is it genetic? It does it come from who we were as a person in a different life, you know, previous life? Uh, I don't know the answer to that necessarily. Uh, I'd be interested to hear your personal thoughts on some of that if you want to comment. Um, but for me, uh, I think like I don't buy a lot of sculpture. Not that I don't appreciate it or enjoy it, but what I do is usually really um, eclectic. The exception would be the the commissions that we do with um, our one gourd artist, Kara. And like we have everything from her, uh, a lot of dragons, but turtles and dinosaurs, of course, that we've commissioned and stuff. But then I look at other... Um, other work that I purchase and it usually uh, has an element of whimsy to it. Um, very whimsical. A lot of things that I'm really drawn to, like if I'm at a Comic-Con, let's say, and there's a lot of artists there, like usually they'll have an artist row or something. And I'll see stuff that looks cool, but then, you know, show me something whimsical. Um, wizards, fairies, trolls, little Viking kids, right? Um, man, I just, I'm taken in by that fantasy type of stuff. I just love it. And so like even some of the sculptures, some of the custom plush that I have in my office, they're all that. They're all kind of weird, whimsical. Why? I have no clue. <laughs> I have no idea why that's a natural draw to me. The the painting that I have right above my desk that I look at every single day is a robot climbing a building with airplanes flying around it. So it's a very King Kong kind of style. Uh, it's called Robocong. Uh, so it's done by an artist that I've purchased several pieces from now. And it's all done in vector, uh, which interestingly enough, in talking with him, he uses Inkscape rather than Illustrator because he don't want to spend the money for Illustrator, but yet he's a highly successful art, uh, artist. I don't get that at all. But I think one of the things that I've also recognized in that is in talking with different artists, the story behind the image uh, can be pretty fascinating. Although I've also found as an artist that like my story behind a work of art is very often different from 
the buyer's perspective, like the buyer's point of view, uh, which is extremely fascinating to me as well. I remember years ago, I was uh, selling some art. This is, let's see, 2001 or two, somewhere around there. And I was selling uh, some of my art at a show. It was uh, digital art. I was doing a lot of, they were prints of digital art. And I was doing a lot in the Christian space because that's where I was at the time. And so I had a lot of different really interesting um, pieces. Some were like 3D modeled and enhanced and others were like photo composites. It seems like everything I do is photo composite related in some form or another. But anyway, so I had multiple pieces out and they were for sale. And I had this one person come up and buy one of the pieces. I forget which one now. And um, I started to explain my thought process behind creating that piece. And they actually interrupted me and they said, well, that's really cool. But let me tell you what I see. And so they described, you know, how the the image spoke to them. And quite frankly, it was nothing that I had ever considered before. Like it, it just wasn't even... Like, I never even thought about it from that perspective. Yet, for them, whenever they looked at that image, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, boom. And so I thought that was very, very interesting. And I've had that happen a couple times where my intention behind the art was a lot different than the viewer's uh, communication, if you will, from the art. And... It's a very curious thing to me. Like, I guess we take a lot of that kind of stuff in stride. We like it because we like it, you know? Uh, but I would like to think that every part of what we do is a reflection of who we are as an individual. And so from the, you know, the treasure that we collect, the art that we're inspired by, the music that we listen to, you know, all of that is part of the sum total of who we are as individuals, you know, who we really are. Which, for me, if you just judge me by the art and music I listen to, you'd probably think I was insane. <laughs> because I have these whimsical, eclectic tastes in art and pretty much listen to metal most of the time. <laughs> you know, really heavy, uh, heavy metal and... Um, techno-industrial music and all of that kind of stuff. Um, very heavy electronica uh, kinds of things. And I've even explored that. Like, I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I grew up listening to um, country music and bluegrass. Like, that's all that was played in, in our house. And, of course, gospel music. Because uh, my, my parents and my aunt and uncle had a gospel group. Uh, way back when, whenever I was, gosh, maybe third to sixth grade, something like that. And so we played in a lot of elder community uh, places and churches and all of that. And, you know, it was a very uh, Southern gospel style, I guess, kind of. They were called the Prelude Gospel Singers. Um, even had an eight-track tape, tape or two <laughs> that they released. Uh, <clears throat> I don't even know where those are anymore. I don't think I have any copies of them, but anyway. Uh, so that was my musical influence though. I actually grew up hating music. I never even listened to music until I was a teenager. And then my first introduction to real music that I liked was actually Van Halen. Uh, and of course, music is just another form of art, a different form of expression. And I guess the rock music stuck, you know, because then I discovered bands like uh, Boston and 38 Special and, you know, all those fun bands uh, back in the 80s and 90s. Well, 80s, because music kind of fundamentally changed in the 90s. Um, but there's this one, uh, this one guy, this dude living in his parents' basement or something named Clayton that a, a buddy of mine introduced me to 25 years ago. Uh, and this guy is now the manager of our toy store, but, um, 
had this band called Circle of Dust, and it was very, uh, very heavy, almost dark kind of music. Christian, but dark, um, if that even makes sense. And it just stuck with me. Like, I could relate to it, and I would do a lot of design to that type of music. It, uh, the music influenced my design a lot. And that's another thing that I think factors into it is, as an artist, whenever you're creating, I don't know, those of you who are artists who are on here, if you listen to certain types of music when you're creating, or if you change it up uh, for the influence. Uh, but I know for me, um, I think I might have shared this story before, but I had, I was uh, hired to create art for a graphic novel years ago. And uh, I actually did two. And the first one was on, or the second one was very controversial, uh, the, the book itself. It was a Christian book, but it was about abuse, child abuse, primarily, different kinds of abuse. And so they wanted the uh, images to reflect that. And so there were like chapters on abuse through television, sexual abuse, you know, just different things like that. And honestly, I really struggled with it at first because I didn't, like I couldn't relate to a lot of that, honestly. Uh, but what I discovered was that listening to certain kinds of music actually influenced me in some pretty cool creative ways. Um, a lot, I got a lot darker with some of the designs than I ever thought I would, but they were extremely uh, visually impacting and, um, you know, so mission accomplished for what they wanted to show in the book. But it was the combination of allowing the music to create images together with my own creativity and where I was at the time and all of that. And I remember using photographs of my daughters and some of the art and uh, there was this one where I had I, I guess I did it I guess this particular image was about how television affects children and so I took a picture of my daughter Ashley when she was gosh I don't even know eight or nine perhaps and she was sitting in front of a television and you don't really see much of, you don't see what's on the screen, but you see her like blank faced, just sitting in front of the screen. And there's a chain around her neck and a chain is going into the television. There's these like hands kind of rushing out of the television. It's a very spooky image. Um, but yet, you know, and it was for this book and it was, it was really powerful. It ended up being a really powerful image. And then I had to come up with, um, an image representing um, sexual abuse. And I ended up using a photo that I took of my daughter, Courtney, who would have been six, maybe, at the time. And honestly, it's one of the toughest art pieces that I ever created. Because, I mean, I, you know, I'm not an abusive person myself, personally, and I haven't really known anybody who did stuff like that. So to be able to create art in a way that expressed something that I was completely unfamiliar with and make it that much more personal because I used an illustration of my daughter, um, it, was, it was very interesting, a very interesting experience. And so I can relate to, you know, what artists go through um, in their creation process, and it can mean different things. Uh, depending on their style, um, their medium, uh, all of that. But let me ask you a question. What are some of the uh, art styles that you prefer? Uh, we'll, we'll take it a couple of different ways. Mediums, art mediums, so like uh, paintings or sculpture or pottery or whatever. Um, like what are you drawn to? And what are the styles that you prefer and why? Okay, let's see if we can get a little audience participation here. So think about that and respond in the questions box about that. 
You know, what is it about those things that you like? Uh, and if you're an artist, I, don't, I know we have some artists that are on here frequently. I don't know if they're here today. I didn't look at the attendee thing. But um, what inspires you to create certain styles that you create? You know, I'd love to hear from you. Anybody? Or are you all just going to sit there and lurk and let me do all the talking? Now, come now, I'm looking at the list. I know some of you are artists, or at least by art. Chicken. <laughs> Here's why I think this is important. Whether you participate or not. I think it's important because it's part of who you are as a person. Everything that you like or don't like is a reflection of who you are inside. And, you know, I've been talking a lot about who we are inside, the real you. Um, that's the part of us that many of us avoid uh, because we're afraid that maybe people won't like the real us. But yet, in our everyday choices, uh, the type of car we drive, the type of house we live in, sometimes it's just because that's what we can afford. I mean, I've certainly been there. Um, the things that we collect, the art that we appreciate, the music that we listen to, all of it is, makes up who we are. I mean, sure, you can strip all of that aside. And I think it's important to look at ourselves from that perspective, the stripped down version. Um, like when you take everything aside, like what I shared previously about the uh, what I went through with... Uh, Radical leadership, whenever I went through that. And they challenged me to strip everything aside that defined who I am as a person and take a look at what was left. You know, so uh, my personality, strip that aside. The things that I love, like photography, teaching, all of that, strip all of that aside. The music that I listen to, the artwork that I appreciate, the stuff that I collect, the house that I live in the cars that I drive, the work that I do, strip all of that aside. Same for you. All of those things, strip all of it aside. And what's left? Like, what do you see? Who do you see whenever you look at that? Because at the end of the day, all of those things that we're talking about, what we do for work, uh, how we live, what we collect, what we love, what we don't love, what we watch on television versus not. All of that is an expression of who we are. And it's important to take a, lot, a look at those things from a critical perspective, I think, because um, there's always room for us to improve. Not saying that you should go to an art festival and start, you know, looking for a new type of art to collect. That's not my point. Um, but my point is that I think where my point lies in this is that there, there's something worth paying attention to when, um, when we look at those outward expressions of who we are. <clears throat> Like, you can learn a lot about me just by standing in my office or walking through my house uh, just by the things that you'll see, you know, the types of furniture that we have or whatever. Um, they're eclectic. <laughs> but that's part of who I am. I have a lot of different interests in a lot of different things. And so I have a very eclectic personality. And it shows in the art that I uh uh, choose to surround myself with some of it is my own art I have photography my own photography hanging in different parts of the house um, I have some some stuff by Kristen and other people here as well but 
it all represents like um, I have a couple paintings by one of my customers hanging here in my office and they're both bears. And um, I've always had a connection to bears. And I remember I, like I couldn't explain it <clears throat> or like why I had no idea. I just was always drawn to bears. And I remember when I first started getting um, like embracing my culture uh, again, the Cherokee culture. We went through a naming <clears throat> naming ceremony. So this is back in two thousand and two thousand and one or two. I forget now. But went through a naming ceremony. Our whole family did. And um, my wife at the time, Deborah, had made regalia for all of us. And she made this Cherokee shirt for me, and um, she put these buttons on uh, the sleeves. And she said that when she went to pick them out, she was just naturally drawn to these bear claw buttons. She didn't know why, but she did, and I thought they were cool. I mean, they immediately I had a connection with them. Um, and I had created, uh, like, leggings and loincloth and all that kind of stuff that was made out of... Um, leather and I'd painted a bear claw or you know like a bear print on that <clears throat> and so <clears throat> we went to this naming ceremony and usually the way they work is uh you have like a an elder or a clan mother or something like that who will pray and ask creator for a name doesn't mean that they'll get one but they do and then <clears throat> have a ceremony where everyone's gathered in a circle and you bring a gift, usually tobacco, and give it to her. And then she'll share the name that she received. This is how it went with us. And um, she'll whisper it in your ear. And if you choose to accept it, um, then you proclaim it to all four directions. And you have witnesses there and everything. So it's kind of a cool experience. And uh, the name that she got for me was... Um, the English transliteration of it was bear walks in the light. And I thought, well, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, here's this bear thing again. And what's interesting is a lot of people have always related to me as a bear, like in Cherokee culture, bears represent uh, warriors and um, healers, uh, very protective, you know, that kind of thing. Some, um, someone who would lay down their life for their friends, uh, very much like that. And, uh, I've just always related to it. And so as a result of that, like this bear energy, if you will, um, or spirit animal, I guess you could even call it. I've just had a natural draw. And so as a result, you'll see bears throughout the house in different places and in different forms and in different drawing styles, you know, from, um, Cherokee, obviously, to I think I have uh, some Hopi bears and uh, ones from the uh, some of the native people in Alaska, different types of things like that. And so the paintings that I have um, are not like black bear related, which is what the Cherokee would have responded to black bears being in Tennessee, North Carolina and all of that. But there's just a natural connection for me uh, with those. And so as a result, I have, you know, a couple bear paintings. I have sculptures. I have uh, different things like that sand art because there's a connection there. I feel a connection that it's a, an expression of who I am. So that kind of makes sense. Um, some of the others like the robots and the really weird looking characters and stuff. I'm not sure that could just come from the crazy part of who I am. <laughs> Cause I'm pretty sure I'm mental at times. Um, just really strange, but more so I think it's just a natural connection to, to the unexplained, to the whimsical, um, that I relate more to that than, you know, common stuff. I mean, I love cars, but, you know, I don't have, like, paintings of cars hanging on my walls. Um, 
Although I do have a uh, a model of a Mustang and a McLaren. Like, I can't buy a car if it doesn't begin with a letter M. So, you know, drive a Mercedes. I have a Mustang. Uh, I want to get a McLaren for my next car. So, but that's me. And it's actually just a silly thing with a letter M. <clears throat> I think I would buy cars that didn't begin with that. But while I love cars, I don't have car art. Like, that just never really inspired me much. <clears throat> so, I don't know. It would be it would be cool to me if there was a way that we could all simultaneously reveal like some of the art that we have around us in our house. Like <laughs> maybe you wouldn't want people to know that perhaps, I don't know. Um and by the way, Kristen's taste in art is a lot different than mine. Um there's a few things that overlap, but for the most part she has her stuff. I have mine. Um, but that makes sense, right? Because we're unique and different. But it would just be really cool. Um, you know, one of the regrets that I have in um, interacting with people on a, a global stage, like through podcasts or webinars or whatever, is that it's just physically impractical and nearly impossible to ever get to meet everyone. Um, and so as a result, you get to understand who someone is over time through interaction. Excuse me. And, and there's some of you who have followed me for years and years. Uh, some of my customers I know I've had for 12 or 13 years, uh, which is, uh, super cool. And, and I have had the opportunity to spend time with them. That's why I always say if you're ever even in close driving distance to where we live, Chambersburg, um, give us a holler, you know, <laughs> send us a message and say, hey, we'd love to come and hang out and we'll do it. It's always uh, we always have an open door. Um, and occasionally somebody will take us up on that. Um, I know. We've had uh, several folks visit here uh, or visit us at our stores or whatever, but it's just, it's a different level of interaction. But to me, seeing, uh, like being able to spend time with somebody and see the art that they like, the music that they listen to, all of that, that's much more cool because then you start to see the story of their lives, the story of who they are as people. And, um, that's fun. Stories matter. Um, I love stories. I like collecting stories. I think I shared a couple weeks ago or maybe last week, even I don't recall, might've been last week, how uh, one of my customers, one of our customers, uh, will occasionally trade us rocks for courses, uh, which is cool. Um, I'm always open for that. And, uh, he always sends little write-ups or, share someone Facebook, uh, private message or whatever, but the story behind it, cause a lot of the rocks that he sends us, he collects himself, he and his wife. And so he'll send us the story behind it. And, uh, yesterday when we were at the auction, we bought this secretary, um, not like a, a woman <laughs> furniture secretary. It's kind of like a writing desk type of thing. And, uh, it's about 70 or 80 years old and, uh, it's just really beautiful. And Kristen fell in love with it as soon as she saw it. So we were able to get the winning bid on it and, uh, it's just, it is really a beautiful piece with a lot of ornate carving and all of that. And come to find out that, um, the woman who was sitting right in front of us, uh, it was her mother's. Um, her mother had died years ago. Father died last year. The kids have been taking time, slowly selling off um, the furniture and stuff. And this was one of those pieces. And so she shared the story with us behind it. Um, apparently, her father owned a furniture store. And uh, whenever they were young, whenever he first married 
uh, got married to his wife. And he bought her this big set of um, dining room furniture. So table and chairs and, um, you know, everything that comes with it. Really beautiful set. And part of what he got as the matching set was this secretary. And the woman told us that um, out of all the furniture that they had over the years from her dad having the furniture store, the secretary was her mom's favorite piece. And so she, um, you know, shared a little bit about that and memories and all of that. And what was awesome about it is, I mean, this furniture, I don't recall who, like, which company manufactured it or if it was handmade or I don't know, but it's really ornate. They just don't really make furniture like this anymore, but it was cool in and of itself, just the artistry of it and the design of it and all of that. But hearing the story of the furniture and what it meant to this woman's um, mother and, and everything and how, she even came to have it in her possession to begin with. It's just a really great story that adds another level of meaning. It's almost like even though her mom has been gone now for years, a piece of her lives on, not because she made the furniture, but because she cherished it and it was important to her. And so now because we own that uh, secretary and we know the basic stories behind this woman and her life, we can carry that forward, you know, and honor it, honor that memory just so much more. <clears throat> and I see a lot of art the same way. I mean, maybe some folks just create art to create it so they can get, have money to pay their bills or whatever. And there's certainly a level of importance to getting your bills paid, obviously, <laughs> you know, so you have food to put on the table or whatever, but, um, I don't know. There's something special. Something special about it all because each of us are special. Each of us are different. And uh, I guess I really appreciate that connection. It's one of the love-hate relationships that I have about Facebook is that like, you just don't know what to believe. You can literally be anybody. Um, you know, set up a fake account, put in a fake photo, fake name, fake stories, and no one's going to know one way or the other. And so there's this real level of um, false connection that we have today where you don't know if it's real or not. Um, you know, you see internet marketers talk about wanting you to buy their new course and you see them standing in front of you know, quarter million dollar sports cars and all of that. And then you come to find out years later that they rented them for a day, you know, and that they're dirt poor and broke or live in some trailer or whatever. It, and so you just don't know what's real anymore. And there's, to me, um, I've often been told by different ones, you know, fake it till you make it. But I can't live my life like that. I just can't. <clears throat> if I don't have something real or encouraging or whatever to share, I just don't share anything. But um, what I do enjoy, if you follow me on Facebook at all, I like sharing discoveries. I like sharing stories. I like stories especially. I like sharing um, family um, and cool stuff that we're up to. Not to brag, but just... It's who I am. It's the story of my life, so to speak. And it just takes on a lot of different forms, whether it's through the music or through something else. So anyway, that's all I have. I haven't got any comments, so I'll assume that all of you hate art. <laughs> or just don't choose to share today. Nothing wrong with that. Um, on another note, uh, tonight we are starting, drum roll, Expert Media University. 
and I'm really excited about it. it I'm kind of treating it like, um, kind of like an elite group. It, so it's not going to be super huge. I don't even know how many people is in it right now. 40 or 50 maybe. But uh, kind of like an elite group. So it's where I'm going to be releasing a lot of the latest cool things that I'm exploring and working on and whatever is going to be through there. And it's not that it won't be available to other people. Um, it's just that by the time it's made available to other people, some folks will have had access to it already and live like the members. And so, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, very exclusive. That's how I'm treating it. Kind of like uh, creative publishing Academy. If you're a part of that, uh, very similar in scope. So I'm excited about, uh, digging into that and, uh, seeing where it leads. I'm committed to a full year. And after that, we'll see. It could go on for a couple years like Expert Media Show did, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, so if you want to check it out or join in in the fun, uh, expertmediauniversity.com is where you can register. I did add a three-pay option because it's a year-long thing. I'm not doing monthlies. Um, and I waited to do the three-pay option, not because of some clever marketing trick. <clears throat> it's because I couldn't get um, <laughs> Infusionsoft and PayPal to connect together correctly for subscriptions. And so PayPal finally worked that out yesterday. I got an email from them, and it, it was a go. And so within an hour of hearing from them, I put a three pay option up and it's not tested, but it should work now. Um, so anyway, that's all I have. Uh, and, uh, I hope you enjoy your week this week and next Tuesday we'll come together with something else. Uh, we'll see where the spirit leads, so to speak. And, uh, I'm sure it'll be interesting and fun or crazy or bizarre. Who knows? I never know until the day. Most of the time, I don't have any idea what the theme of the day is until the day of the, you know, Tuesdays. So we'll find out together. So enjoy the rest of your week and we will talk again soon.